big long intro of me sucking wind in i've been running around moving chairs doing all sorts of stuff but that's not important now what's important is i am here and lou's back i'm back yes and thank you for prayers i mentioned lou had some family issues that kept him away last week things are on the mend doing better so thank you 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 yes thank you so much so lou is here i am here and we have gathered here this week to tell you that if you do not stand for truth you fall for everything Ah, it's going to be a good day. That's what I keep telling myself, though, or at least how I console myself that it's going to be a good day. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of what is wrong with the world, let's deal with what's right in the world. Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted, now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Ah, there's the best thing we're going to say all day right there. There it is. It's good As stuff. I warn you all the time, it's all downhill from here. All right, I had to stop for a second. I had the wrong pen. I had the I new green pen, and it doesn't work for me. It's coming apart, so i got to go back to the other one. Got it. <laughs> got to have the right pen, or else nothing in this world functions. Or as the great theologian Metallica once said, nothing else matters. And if you know that reference, oh, repent. Repent and be saved. Believe the gospel. It will be okay. (laughs) Funny. All right. We're having all sorts of fun. So, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. All right. First off, what do you mean this? What's this received Christ? Christian, you started somewhere. Right. The proclamation of the gospel. Yes. Someone had to tell you. You had to go, oh, that makes sense. I am under the wrath of God, and that's not good. There's the smartest thing I'm going to say all day. Being under the wrath of God is not good. Now, by repenting of my sins, trusting in Christ, I will receive Christ, as Colossians 1 already made note of. Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. That's a good summary of the pagan world, isn't it? Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So you have received Christ. You have received the proclamation of the gospel. You have repented of your sins. You have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and you are now sealed in Christ. Right. He also says something else really important there. All of creation Ah. has received it. Yes. So nobody has an excuse. No, they are without excuse, as a matter of fact. I think that's uh, Romans uh, 1, maybe you want to check that out. Mm. And no, we are not trying to argue for universalism. When you're talking about all creation, that means that there is a sufficient work. It is good and it is right. Also, when we talk about all creation, what else fell in the fall? Yeah. Was it just Adam and Eve that fell in the fall? 
No, it was creation. No, the ground, the trees, the birds of the sky, the animals, everything is cursed. And then you go back to Romans 8, and what do you find out? The creation is groaning, longing for the curse to be undone, for the ground to produce again without toil and struggle, to function like it is supposed to and like it was always meant to. There's the difference. There is the part of this that we are supposed to be looking towards. So... Beyond that, what is this message? Great summary of this, 1 Corinthians 15. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. Well, not now now, but now when Paul was writing. But Mm -hmm. some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely mourn, he appeared also to me. You want a good summary of the gospel? There you go. Read 1 Corinthians 15. It will do you worlds of good. This is where we are. Mm-hmm. This is why we are. That's important. It's one thing to know where you stand, but it's another thing entirely to understand and know and internalize why you stand there. Right. None of these verses that we're reading have anything at all to do with you. They all have to do with the work of Christ and his accomplishing of salvation. You just happen to show up one day and be in the right place at the right time. Amazing how that works, and the Holy Spirit puts his people in the right place. But anyway, so therefore, this is of Christ. This is not of you. So you have received him, therefore, so walk in him. See, this goes back to what Paul said earlier in Colossians 1. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. So here's your fun question. How do you know you'll persevere to the end. Well, how do you know? Yeah, how do you know you'll persevere to the end? God knows. I well, mean, God, God knows, but God how do you know? God started a work in you, and he's going to finish it. Yeah, but how do I know that's going to that's gonna work? How do I know I'm not going to wander away? What will be the proof that I didn't wander away? That you didn't wander away. <laughs> that I didn't wander away. Right. <laughs> yeah, so how, this is what people, this, is, this gets to assurance, something we've talked about before, go digging through, you know, past episodes, you'll find it, it'll do you good. How do I know? Do I look to my baptism? Do I look to my family? Do I look to my Bible? Do I look to... No. I look to the continuing fruit-bearing of the Holy Spirit in my day-to-day life. Right. I am walking, walking in the faith. Therefore, yeah. I am in the faith. Right. That, the, you know, the, 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 the term walking, it's, it's an ancient term. And, and it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, the halak, or the walk, the way of life. And so when you say, how do you know? Well, your fruits... You know, Happy, better it better bear out what kind of tree you're, you are, right? A tree is known by its fruits. And this is how I set my mind. This is how I urge myself. Colossians 3, after this, would tell you, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep doing what? Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This matters. This is how I walk day by day, setting my mind, setting my eyes, letting them dictate my walk. And this is something we've said before. I don't think we've said it in a while, though. If I want to change what I do, I first have to change what I want. In order to change what I want, I have to change, or rather, I got that wrong. In In order to change what I do, I have to change what I think about. In order to change what I think about, I have to change what I want. Because what I want is going to determine what I think about, and what I think about is going to determine what I then do. 
They're, yeah. So, you know, thus keep seeking the things above. Yes. By constantly reorienting my heart and mind in Christ, by constantly pushing my vision towards him, I am displaying and training my mind towards what I desire. Right. What Psalm 37 calls, you know, um, seek the, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart will be the Lord who you are delighting in, and God longs for that to be the fulfillment of your life, that you walk in sanctification. So by setting your mind there, I am now declaring the good thing that I want. That is what I will then strive to accomplish in my thoughts, which will then influence what I actually do. Because I'm I'm not going to act contrary to the thought life that I'm having, and I'm not going to think contrary to what I'm actually desiring. Welcome to mortification. Mortification is not just eschewing, I haven't used that word in a while, it's one of my favorites, eschewing, (laughs) yes, mortification of sin is not just the eschewing of the action, it is drilling down to the root to eschew, we're going to keep doing this, not a cashew, but an eschew, to eschew not just the working, but the thinking and the desiring. I have overcome my sin, not when I stop myself from doing it, but when I stop myself from wanting it and craving it. Right, you know, that's uh, the difference. One of the first verses that I remember trying to memorize as a young Christian, and I, I was a Gideon, you know, uh, I am crucified in Christ, nevertheless I live, but not I, but, but Christ, Christ that lives, lives in, in me, me, who loves me. So, I mean, we have to crucify ourselves, we have to die to ourselves, and, it, and it's something that's repeated over and over in the scriptures. Yeah, and I think it, Paul drills that. this every time he starts a letter, he reminds people of where they came from. And yes. what they were doing and, who, and how and they, who you belong to. And who you belong to and what what manner of life you're supposed to be living now. I said Paul, all of Paul's letters started off the same way. Yeah. Greetings as greetings from who? Me. <laughs> Who's me? Slave and apostle of Christ. Right. To the brethren, the people who are walking, the people who are washed, the people who are redeemed. The, this is replete in Pauline epistemology. There you go. We use all the fancy terms today. Make everybody think we know something. <laughs> we can try to fool them. It might work. Educated. Yes. We, we are learned. That's, that's our story, and we are sticking to it. So no, we walk in him. Paul makes this point not just to the Colossian church, but to the sister letter here, the Ephesian church. So I say this, and affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. In the futility of their mind, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. See, they don't know. They have not heard. They didn't mm-hmm. call somebody. That, that's an old reference. You better call somebody. Yeah, you don't know. You better call somebody. They didn't call somebody. <laughs> they don't know. They have not repented. Therefore, they are ignorant. They do not know the truth. And because of the hardness of their heart. See, that's why they haven't turned. The heart is hard. The heart of stone has not been replaced with the heart of flesh. Therefore, the mind is a rock gut. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Mm. Does that not describe the world? It's not just walking in sin. It's walking in sin greedily, Mm -hmm. craving it, salivating over the next thing. Yeah, when I think about that passage, it's like... It's like you you want to walk in sin. You but they do. You, that's just just the nature that, that you're walking in. See, but, this is why they sin. They yeah. are sinning because their hearts are hard and because they are operating according to their desires. Christian, mm-hmm. you have received and are walking in Christ. You too should be walking according to your desires, but your desires are now regenerated by the gospel of Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, right. based on the work of Jesus, from the promise of the Father. There's some good Trinitarian theology for you. You are welcome. 
you did not learn Christ this way, Ephesians 4 continues. Yeah. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught him and trust as in trust as just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. Notice again that thinking I uh, thinking uh, dynamic. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You walk differently because you are different. Therefore, you think different. Therefore, when you see the darkness of the world, you don't go, oh, look, it's cute. Let's go pet it. No, you do what I do to my children every time they turn the light on and go. Oh, I knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. I had to work that one in. My daughter did that to to her Sunday school teacher. She turned the light on in the classroom. My daughter hissed. Why did you do that? Well, Daddy does that when the lights turn on. And, and I'll admit, I do that. I've, I've watched too many vampire movies as a kid. So you turn the lights on, just is what it is. But Christian, because this sound isn't annoying at all. It's like a bad cat movie now. When you see sin, it shouldn't be, oh, look, it's cute and adorable. No, it's evil and vicious and wants to snap my head off. Run. Run like the roaches when the lights come on. Flee. Sink away like the vampire sinks away from the light. Turn yourself to the light because that's what you want. That's what you desire. That is where you stand. That is why Paul continues. I just lost my place. I, I scrolled too, qu- too quickly. Having been firmly rooted, now being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Well, let's start with rooted because of what you have known you have received christ and you are walking in him why because you are rooted in him again let's borrow from the ephesian church because this is what he told them you are no longer strangers and aliens ephesians 2 by the way but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of god's household this Mm. is the work of the gospel having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets christ jesus himself being the cornerstone see you can't stand on your own you stand on the history and the testimony of christ revealed down through the ages this is what hebrews is getting on about you get all these saints of the old testament who are a wretched lot by the way just for most part for the most part an entirely wretched lot yeah they're a pretty good representation of all humanity yeah which is broken to the core And what chapter 12 gets to is you have this wonderful cloud of witnesses. And you're like, those guys? Yes, because they are the men of faith. They are that cloud of witnesses. You have a testimony and a history. Like Abraham who trusted. Like Samson who believed. Like Gideon who had faith. I mean, oh my goodness, Gideon has faith. Really? He was, he was scared <laughs> first. I mean, he was like a chicken. I mean, that's one of my favorite uses of sarcasm in the entire Bible, to proof, proof that sarcasm is good, is Gideon is threshing, which is supposed to be done like out in the hilltops with the wind so that you can get the chaff blown away. Right. He's hiding in a basement so that he can do this in secret and not get killed or have his grain stolen. And the angel appears, oh, mighty man of valor. And, you know, Gideon was like, where? <laughs> Who are we talking to? <laughs> not me. <laughs> not not I, said the duck. No, no, no. Where, who is this mighty man of which you speak? You, me. There's a, there's a dude of faith. Right. No, no, not even a little bit. And again, Gideon doesn't end well either, just in case you were wondering. So, in whom the whole building, back to Ephesians, the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Hmm. That's rooted. You are, as Pink Floyd famously once said, a brick in the wall. Oh, man. You knew I had to go there. Yeah. 
Come on. I am a fount of, if nothing else, useless musical tidbits from 1970 to about 1994. And if you're not here for this, then you need to listen to somebody else because that's what you're going to get. <laughs> that's just how my brain is wired, and you're just stuck with it. But no, you are. You are a brick in the wall. The wall is being built as the household of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit, right. the people of Christ. This is what and who you are. This is how you are rooted, by constantly remembering where I stand and why I stand. When was the last time the bricks in your house got up and walked away? That doesn't happen. No, they don't, yeah. because you, you glue them down. I mean, I know it's not glue. I know it's mortar and weight and all that, but they're there. You need some extreme external force to displace them once they have been placed, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they don't just get up and walk off. So what extreme outside force is powerful enough to undo the work of God? I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, we'll be listening for a long time. Yeah, because there's, there's nothing. nothing. Right. This is what Jesus tells you in Luke 6, right? Mm -hmm. Build yourself on the foundation. Build yourself on the rock. And what happens? Wind, waves, smog, the whole nine yards, you know, everything that Elmer Fudd warned you about, it all comes upon you, and what happens? Ash just sits there like, what are we doing next? Right. You guys want to get a pizza? You know, it's, 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 it's the brick house of the three little pigs. You can, you can huff and you puff, mm -hmm. but it will not blow down. Yep. Congratulations, Christian. This is where you are. Yep. This is why you are. So you are firmly rooted and now being built up, not just metaphorically, but actually. Go back to Ephesians. Fast forward, though, a little bit to Ephesians 4. Jesus, in his work, gave some as apostles. Some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Why for he do that? Paul anticipated your question and said, For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, mm -hmm. until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. <sighs> There's a lot to that. That's me. I want to be there. I want to, I want to live there. I'm, I'm not just another brick in a wall. I am a precious child of God being matured and strengthened. I'm, I'm like a fine wine now who's aging as a brick. So I'm a brick wine or am I a wine brick? I got to think about this for a second. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm a barrel. If only they could see <laughs> the contemplation going on here. <laughs> Can't you smell the smoke all the way through your phones? I mean, come on now. The gears are grinding. Everything will come to a halt. Again, I say the thoughts that keep me out of the really good schools. But no, it's not just that, all right, you're in the wall, you're there, you can't leave. No, we care. We mm -hmm. strengthen. You attain. You are being disciple. You are making disciples. You are discipling. You are doing whatever work you have been called to do. And go read the lists, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, um, 1 Corinthians 12, and Romans 12. Those are your spiritual gift lists. They're They're legion. You can pray, you can give, you can serve, you can teach, you can encourage. It's like pick something and go with it. Right. I mean, we use we always use the um, the rescue analogy because when I was a kid, the big thing was you remember the baby Jessica thing, the little two year old that fell down the well. Yes, yes, I do. And, and they could they could barely fit like a dude down there, and and so you know everybody wants what job? If you're on the scene and you're going to rescue this baby, what job do you want? The one that rescued the baby. I don't want to go down the hole and get yeah. the kid out. But here's the problem. If everybody goes down the hole, who held the rope? No one. There's no one there to do that, right? Are we getting the kid out? Probably not. No, 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 we're not. Christian, welcome to your church. Not everybody's a servant. Not everybody is a big-time giver. Not everybody is a teacher. Not everybody is a prayer. Not everybody is an encourager. But by the grace of the Holy Spirit, somebody in your fellowship is. Right. That's how the wall works. Right. That's how the encouragement lifts up, is whatever you have, whatever is on your mind. What I always tell people is, 
People like to come to me and go, you know what ministry we don't do at this church that we need to do? Be like, what's that? And then they tell me. And they go, I th- we should find somebody to head that up. And I'm like, <laughs> here you go. That somebody is you. You know why? Because you care about it. Because you brought it up. You care about it. It is something you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. It's something the Holy Spirit has laid upon your heart and mind. Therefore, dive in. Anybody else I get is going to be an abject failure. You actually care. You have been given the idea. Therefore, run. Run, Forrest, run. Go for it. See, there's bad, more bad 90s pop culture references for you for a thousand, Alex. There's another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this works because you are also what? You are being built up and established in your faith just as you were instructed. This is how you are established. Uh, Peter makes this point. We're going to leave Paul for a minute. Go talk to Peter. Putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. There's a lot to that. Put away your sin. Live a life of repentance. Live a life of sanctification. Why? Because I love God, and I'm putting these things away because I'm being instructed by the word that I'm craving, and it is maturing and strengthening me. Why? Because I know who God is, and I know what he has done. Everything we're talking about in Colossians, right there in 1 Peter 2, it's the same idea. You are being taught. You are being encouraged. The other bricks of the wall are holding you up, ensuring that you turn into lovely brick wine. Brick wine. <laughs> that sounds tasty. If that's not a thing, it needs to be. And if it's and if it doesn't need to be, then it does need to be. So we just said. This is the point Paul makes in Romans, though. We mentioned it from Ephesians. We'll borrow it from Romans again. I urge you, brethren, Romans 12, you know this one, by the mercies of God, that's his grace poured out, present your bodies, that's sanctification, living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to him, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world. Reject your sin. But be transformed by the Holy Spirit. How? By renewing your mind, changing what you think, changing what you desire, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That's, Same idea. That's a tall order. And the only it way is. you're going to do that is if, if you're around like-minded people, if you're in the Word of God, and, and if, you're, if you're trying to seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness. That's uh, Matthew 6 for those of you yes, following that's at where home. I was going. If you're playing this. Bible bingo at home, yes. Lou's trying to stump me. I know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one wasn't on the list. That Lou guy. We know how he is. But no, you're exactly right. This is only possible because you have received Christ. If you have not received Christ, you cannot walk in him. This is one of those little th- uh, little secrets that we uh, we keep lying to ourselves about in the church. You know, why does the world do what it does? Because it hasn't received Christ. So the pagans act like pagans. Who knew? What are the odds? Right. I said, I will never forget. I had a conversation with a lady. I can't remember her name, but I can remember what she looked like. And she was running – well, she wasn't running. She was teaching in a uh, Wednesday night uh, program for children. Okay. Uh, it was on Awana program. If mm-hmm. you don't know what Awana is, you can Google it. It will do you good. Um, and they, this church had engaged in a bus and van ministry where they were bringing all sorts of people in from the community. Overwhelming. This church like had probably 15 or 20 of their own kids. And when they were done vanning and busing kids in, they had like 60 to 70 kids there on a Wednesday night. Just completely overwhelming everything. Yeah. And the teachers were all frazzled, like, what do we do? And so I'm like, well, what are you trying to do? She's like, well, we have all these kids in here, and they don't behave, and they don't listen, and I can't get anything done. And I'm like, so what's the problem? She goes, well, what do I do? I can't, how do I stop it? I'm like, are these church kids? No. Are they Christian kids? No. I said, so you're bringing in pagan kids, bringing them into a church setting, and then you're expecting them to act like church kids. Oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. I said, I know they're kids, but pagans be paganin. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, they're 11. I'm like, yeah, pagan 11-year-olds act like pagans. That's how this works. And what she had to do was she started reorienting her teaching towards the kids that would listen, towards the kids that she could disciple. And some of the kids, she just, you just have to let go. I mean, because you, you, can't, you can't disciple the four or five in your room that are paying attention if you're spending all of your time trying to wrestle the ten that aren't. And one of the first things we did was we started contracting that ministry, the, the van and bus part. Not because we don't want to bring kids in, but because we can't manage what we've got. Mm-hmm. What do we have to do? We have to instruct and disciple the kids that we have, the kids that are actually being discipled. Then when you have that, now we can start to add to that, and you can do that slowly and function. But if kids are just showing up just to run wild and destroy your building, I don't see in Scripture where you're commanded that they have to be there. <laughs> right. We actually right. told one of the kids that. He was just acting a fool. and like, this is a church. Nobody made you come. <laughs> he just had this look like, what? I'm like, you go home. I mean, if you just don't want to be here and disrupt everything, we have 10 other kids over here that would like to learn something. You can go home and come back when you're ready to listen. And the kid did. He went home for like a month and a half. Wow. Then he came back. Reverse psychology. That's where... (laughs) Well, he went home. He's like, you mean I don't actually have to get on the van? No, just because it goes into your neighborhood doesn't mean you have to actually get on it. And so he stopped. And then, like I said, a couple weeks later, he was back. And when he was back, you know what he was doing? He was listening. Was he? He's like, he missed, he realized there was something there. Yeah, we had what they called the joy bus when I was a younger kid. There was a big old bus that said the joy bus, and they would come and pick you up and take you to a church and try to decide. I don't have any problems with that, but if you're going to overwhelm your system, you're not accomplishing anything. You have to actually be able to do instruction, instruct the word, transform the mind by the work of the Holy Spirit. And you can't do that if you can't actually make disciples. Remember, our call is not to evangelize like Billy Graham style. Our call is to make disciples, instruct, and build up in the faith. You know, make strong, solid bricks, not just... Just throw some mud on the wall and hope it functions and holds together. That's I think not that's how this works. Far more um, effective at getting the gospel out than outright evangelism. If you're discipling people, agreed, and you're teaching people how to live, why to live, where they stand in Christ, and and why it's important. They're going to pass that on to someone else, and in turn, that person will, too, pass it on. That's far more effective. Well, even in this situation, like I said, what ended up happening was when we contracted the class sizes, the, parent, the teachers were like, we actually got stuff done. Mm-hmm. Kids are learning. They're answering questions. They're asking questions. They're thinking. Right. All, all we did was took the class size from 20 down to, like, 12, and they could suddenly function. And then I told him, I said, now what do you think can happen in a couple weeks? She goes, we can add more kids in a couple weeks as this gets settled. There it is. There it is. A little bit at a time. Now, because you have built a solid foundation, you can now build on it. You can't build on muck. You can't build on soup. You have to actually build on a foundation. If I can't proclaim Christ where they have received Christ, I can't keep building. I I just can't. I have to keep going back to the beginning. So at some point, you just have to say, no, I'm going to focus where my ministry is bearing fruit and functioning, and I'm going to just get rid of everything else because everything else is of the world. And it's okay, Christian. Sometimes you have to let the world kind of stew on itself before it realizes, you know, these Christian people have an idea about some stuff. I might want to, you know, get my head out of the clouds and think about some things. I think the Holy Spirit's much better at his job than we are. Calling people, <laughs> calling people and drawing There's them. the smartest thing Lou's going to say all day. The Holy yeah. Spirit's good at his job, guys. Yeah, we're he's good, we're not. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we got to realize. Yeah. yeah. So, what's the result of all of this? Overflowing with gratitude. You will live like Christ, like is described in Philippians 2. Serving, humble, 
obedient. Philippians 4, what Paul talks about is, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why? Because you have a gentle spirit, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You have peace because you have gratitude, because you have Jesus. This is how this works. And the then, the, and the, the, then, the first Thessalonians passage everybody knows. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. and everything give thanks. Why? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. There's mm. a good summary of everything. Yeah. You are changed. You deal. Now, if you have not figured out what the... Uh, the idea of the day is, and you didn't read the title to get it from you, then shame on you. Read the title. It'll help you out. <clears throat> Keep you up ahead in the game. We're talking about perseverance, and that's going to become clear why we're talking about this in the vein of perseverance in a minute. But this is a gift of God. Now, do I mean once saved, always saved? The answer is yes and no. Yeah. Yes, I do, because if you are saved, if you have received Christ, you will walk in him. Did I say you won't sin? No, I did not, but you will walk in him. Over time, your life will bear fruit. That's why I asked earlier, how do I know I won't make it to the end? Because I didn't make it to the end. How do I know I'll make it to the end? Because I made it to the end. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean once I make a profession, I'm sealed and I'm good and I don't have to worry about this anymore? No. Read Romans 6. It will do you a world of good. There are things in this world that will try you. They will test you. They will try to undercut you and chop you out at the knees. If you are not careful, they will win. And you will go out of us because you were not of us. Right. I can't stop calling them. <coughs> no. Yeah, you're talking about 1 John 2.19. Yeah, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. No. For if they had been of us, they would, not, would, they would have remained yes. with us. Because no. you would have been doing what? You've been constantly renewing your mind. Right. You're constantly seeking after Christ. You're constantly looking after these things. See, this is how you know. Again, why I ask, how do I know I'm in the faith? Well, because I'm desiring to be in the faith. That's yeah. when I, you, one of my favorite questions. People don't ask this anymore. I think we've got the answer out. I don't just mean us, but I mean churches in general. But the big question in the church probably about 10, 15 years ago was, you know, how do I know I haven't committed the unpardonable sin? Right, because people the, used to freak out about that. They don't do that so much anymore. Right, because the answer is really simple. You're worried about it. Right, <laughs> your consciences won't let you sleep, and you're wondering if you did it. If you're freaked out that you have yeah. committed the unpardonable sin, you haven't because you're freaked out. It's the seared conscience who does not care, who is comfortable and it's shaking its fist against God. Theirs who has committed the unpardonable sin. They have been confirmed now in their trespasses, like Pharaoh of the Exodus. They have been settled in who and what they are yeah. and, and, and set in stone because of the hardness of their heart. Therefore, they walk in this manner. They are seared away from God, not sealed to God. And there's a difference between those two things. So, you know. When I say once saved, always saved, I don't mean that the way it's normally used, but I do mean that if you are in Christ, you are in Christ. The wind, the waves, the world, they cannot break down the wall in the temple that he is building. Mm -hmm. You will persevere, but you will also bear fruit. You won't bear beautiful fruit all the time, but you will bear some fruit. Right. I mean, there are weak brothers. Yeah. We can admit this. They, they just, they war. Everything in life seems like a battle. Yeah. Loving their wife, going to work, being at church, praying, reading, everything's a battle. But you know what they're doing? They're fighting. And they're winning because of God's 
Uh, yeah, persevering. It, it may not be, you know, spectacular Mike Tyson first round knockout victories. Right. But, you know, at the end of 15 rounds, they're like, I'm alive. I made, made it. it. Yeah. And, so, and you know what? Sometimes, Christian, that's the victory. Yep. Because sometimes the world is miserable. Victory doesn't always look like, you know, Rocky at the top of the stairs. I'm into boxing analogy suddenly. Yes. Sometimes it looks like, you know, the end of Rocky 1 where, you know, I, did it. I can't see it. I'm never going to talk again. And who are you? I, but I'm alive. Right. Sometimes that's victory. Sometimes that's Christian victory. It's not pretty, is it? No, it, and it doesn't have to be. It just has to be faithfully preserved and persevering. That's the victory we're going towards. And see, this matters because the things that are going to get you, again, nobody wakes up and is like, you know what? I think this week, yeah, it's Monday morning. I think this is a good time to think about this. I think Tuesday afternoon I would like to plan out a collision with my greatest sin. I think, you know, probably around 345, all right? I'm going to put that on the schedule, make sure I clear everything else out, and, and that way I can deal with it. It doesn't work that way. You're going along, living your life, and guess what's going to happen? All of a sudden, Tuesday's going to happen and sideswipe you like a bus on a you know, sunny afternoon, and it's like, where am I? How did I get here? I don't know. You have to figure that out. The work of Christian living is a constant evaluation, thinking, functioning, wondering, preparing because when the trial comes it doesn't announce itself beforehand you know satan doesn't come dancing through the room i you know we joke in the red unitard with horns and a tail and a pitchfork like hey guys here's your temptation it's behind pick a door door number one door number two door number three door number three is the evil one i mean he doesn't do it like that he describes disguises himself as an angel of light yeah he doesn't need to either we well no we're pretty good at this all by ourselves. ourselves and we like to pass the buck so this matters, though, because what, the way I fight is not the things that I plan on fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the things that I think I'm going to have to fight against are never the things I actually end up fighting against. Like, the things that I think I have to explain to people are never the things I actually have to explain. It's always like, I need to explain that. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to, what? Like, like when, I, when people used to ask me about the, the unpardonable sin thing, I'm like, that's what you're worried about? Mm-hmm. Like, of all, this is so easy. That's what you're worried about? Mm-hmm. See, I'm like that with the... Um, Theodicy, the problem of evil. Yep. People are just like, why does God do this? I'm like, read your Bible. Yeah. Like in my brain, this is not a controversy at all. Sinful people living in a sinful world, doing sinful things to each other in sinful ways. Right. And we're surprised that bad things happen. So we have a cursed people, a cursed world with, you know, a cursed everything. And we're like, I can't believe this acted like a curse. <laughs> what did you think? Right. Or like when the atheist comes to me, I've had this argument with like 10 people. Yeah. Why does God have bad things happen to good people? Your question is broken, dude. There are, find me these good people of which mm-hmm. you speak. I would like to meet them. See, people I mean, even from a biblical uh, a definition of good, only God is good. I mean, people... Agreed. Jesus even says this, but that's right. my point. Like yeah. this is not a controversial thing, but this is the stuff people think about. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting on. The controversies of your life, the things that you're going to have to deal with and, and talk about are never things that you plan for. It's always like that. That's what we're worried about. Right. Like, I, like I'm the, the, the one I preached through Genesis a few years ago and we're, we're like in Genesis four and somebody comes up to me after the service. I've had a question. Okay. I'm like, Genesis 4, what could this be about? You know, we just did Cain and Abel and all that. Dinosaurs. What? (laughs) Where'd that come from? Yeah, I'm like, how did you get dinosaurs out of Genesis 4? Hmm. 
Luckily, I was prepared. I had an answer. We went through that. We had about a 10-minute conversation, answered her questions. It was lovely. But that's the type of thing I'm talking about. I'm not prepared for that because of what I did in Genesis 4. I'm prepared for that because of the preparations that I've done beforehand to understand how this world tries to corrupt things and how to answer them rightly. This is what you need to do because the way the world is going to attack you, again, random. Hello, left field. Welcome to this world. And that brings us to our story of the week. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. <laughs> Senor Max Lucado. I don't know why I called him Senor. I just did. Now, some of you may know who Max Lucado is. If you don't, that's okay. Google is your friend. Um, I, all cards on the table. I have listened to like parts of like two Max Lucado sermons in my entire life. Yeah. I have never, ever read one of his books. I know he predominantly deals in Christian, quote-unquote, fiction, mm-hmm. and that has just never appealed to me in the least. I, yeah. I just don't care. I just don't. So all cards they believe. I don't, I don't have any ill will towards Max. He's a great guy by all accounts. You know, I watched his daughter buy a house on, um, oh, what's that show in Texas that they do? Oh, oh I don't know. I haven't that's going to drive me nuts. Okay. The Gaineses, Chip and Joanna. His daughter bought a house they did, and they did the house on that show. What is the name of that show? Fix and Flip or something like that? No, or? Flip flip or Flop is the people out in California. You can tell my wife watches HGTV, can't mm-hmm. you? Oh. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, so like, they're, his daughter and her husband bought, a house, bought one of the houses on that show. Like, that's the most I've known about Max Lucado, period. Other than the fact that he's a pretty faithful guy in a, in a wonky denomination. He is Church of Christ where they believe in baptismal regeneration, and Max Lucado does not. And has spent, this is one thing that, one of the few things I do know about him, and why I've listened to some of his sermons, is that, um, Fixer Upper! That's the name of the show, Fixer Upper! Oh, hello, Field. welcome back. So anyway, he has been trying to move that denomination for probably the better part of 20 years away from baptismal regeneration as a formal doctrine. So I give the man credit for that. So anyway, I tell you that story to tell you this story. He was invited to speak at the National Cathedral, which is neither national nor much of a cathedral anymore because it's basically a pagan temple in D.C. at this point. And cancel culture reared its ugly head and decided that Max Lucado was evil because, like, in 2004, he preached a sermon trying to support one of the uh, defensive marriage acts that was going on the books in a state. And if you listen to the sermon, this is another part of a sermon that I've, one of the few parts of a sermon that I've listened to, Max says something completely uncontroversial in Christianity, and that is that God ordained marriage, and that God ordained marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. And Mm. that is the definition of marriage. God created it, God gets to define what it is, and any other other attempt to determine marriage in a different way is not marriage. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you want to call it, but it isn't marriage, and so there you go. So Max had to be canceled for this. Well, Max wasn't canceled. He spoke at the National Cathedral. Everything went well. Days after he spoke at the National Cathedral, he wrote this letter. Oh, here we go. It was a high honor to serve as your guest preacher on February 7th, 2012. He wrote this on the 11th, so four days later. It has come to my understanding that my presence in the cathedral is a cause of consternation for many of your members. Nice word. Consternation. I need to drop consternation in more sentences. I will eschew my normally (laughs) flaccid vocabulary and start to add consternation in there more often. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to turn into that Damon Wayans character from Saturday Night Live. The consternation of my Episcopalian (laughs) 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 – just throwing out big words. I don't know what they mean. 
So I was invited to Washington National Cathedral to preach on the topic of the Holy Spirit. My desire was to highlight the power of the Spirit to bring comfort to the in these chaotic times. Plus tax. Anytime you say uh, unsettled, these troubled, or unprecedented times, you know, that ding! Mm-hmm. However, instead of that sermon, many only heard my words from many years ago. In 2004, really, I preached a sermon on the topic of same-sex marriage. I now see, and I already told you what that was about, I now see in that sermon I was disrespectful. To whom? Spoiler alert. He wasn't disrespectful. I was hurtful. Spoiler alert again. He wasn't hurtful. I wounded people in ways that were devastating, and I should have done better. It grieves me that my words hurt or have been hurt or have been used to hurt the LGBTQ community. Well, see, there's how you know he's a bigot. He left out the I, he left out the A, and he left out the plus. <laughs> That's such a growing list. <laughs> I'm telling you. If we, get, if, we, if we grow the list long enough, straight white people will be included in it, but I digress. I apologize to you, and I ask for forgiveness of Christ. For what? Yeah. yeah okay, you know what? I've apologized for a lot of things in my life. Accurately dividing the word of truth, not on the list. Right. Faithful people may disagree about what the Bible says about homosexuality. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they don't. That's that's definitely a contradiction. Faithful and... (laughs) No, no, they don't. Faithful people don't disagree about what sin is. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. That's like, you know, hey, Lou, you know, I think faithful people disagree on whether or not I'm cheating on my wife. No, no, they don't. Yeah. Faithful people agree, you know, disagree about whether or not it's moral to cheat on your taxes. No. No, they don't. It just goes to the fact that there is a moral absolute, and and God is that. His word is is absolute. You're going to like this next part. All right. I haven't read this, by the way. I'm glad you didn't. But we agree that God's holy word must never be used as a weapon to wound others. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me the sword of the spirit isn't a weapon? It divides what? Bone, marrow? Bone and marrow. Last time I checked, it hurts when your bone and marrow are divided. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's got a misconception going there. Isn't that the exact use of the of the of the of God's holy word right. to wield it as a weapon? Right. It it actually is the weapon in the armor of God. I joked for years. When in doubt, get, get a bigger, a bigger Bible. Yeah. Because if they won't listen, you can just smack them with it, and maybe it'll get in there by osmosis. I mean. What do you mean we agree that God's holy word was never be used as a weapon to wound others? No, no, we don't agree. This is exactly what the word is supposed to do. It is supposed to wound your sinful pride, cast down your unrepentant heart, soften your spirit, open your mind so that the Holy Spirit may indwell, change you, so that you may then wield this weapon to do the same for others. Right. It's not out of malice, though, see? (laughs) No, but... But I, but That's you what know people what? misunderstand completely. But you know what? If I, if I preach the gospel to you and I'm nice and you finish up and be like, that's offensive. Well, what, I've done my job. Right. Well, what kind of a friend, what kind of a person would see somebody doing something wrong and, that, and know that they're going to get, you know, they have an eternal damnation and not say something about it? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't want to wound you. It might hurt your feelings. Okay, better now than later, right? I mean... Well, the consequences are dire. You've heard me talk about putting the air conditioning on the bus to hell. That's what that is. <laughs> right. But right. it's a nice bus. It's like, a nice bus. Yeah, it's a nice bus. Leather seats, you know, little TV, DVD player, you know, right. headphones. It's the whole bit. <sighs> I lost my spot. To be clear. Uh-oh, he's going to be clear now. I believe in the traditional biblical understanding of marriage. Bigot. 
It doesn't say that. I'm just I'm adding Ad lib. Yeah. But I also believe in a God of unbounded grace and love. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. If you disagree with me on the definition that God has provided to marriage, that doesn't change the fact that God has unbounded grace and love. It does matter, though, towards whether or not that gracious and loving God will graciously and lovingly judge you in your sin because you have not repented because the wrath of God still abides upon him. I, 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 don't, I don't understand this, this tempt and tendency we yeah. have in Christianity where God is love. Yes, but he's also justice and holiness and wrath poured out against sin. Those things are real. Talks and, about and to quote how... Spencer Seinfeld, they are spectacular. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> and if you know what that reference is and you pictured Terry Hatcher, repent. Repent of your sins. <laughs> yeah. I need to repent because I know it was Terry Hatcher. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, it, they also, yeah, my brain is frying right now. I'm trying to think of this thing. <laughs> but people miss the fact that God... He, because he loves you, he will correct you. Yes, I mean, discipline. Hebrews you, twelve. You have all the idioms out there, you know, talking about how uh, a shepherd will break the leg of a sheep to keep it from running away. Last I checked, Hebrews twelve is still in the Bible. Right, it's I mean, still there. It's an important understanding. God is just; He's holy, but yes, He's also merciful and gracious. It gets better. Okay. LGBTQ again. He's a bigot. He left out the I, the A, and the plus. These individuals and their families must be respected and treated with love. What does that look like? To respect you and treat you with love would be to point out your sin, the folly of your sin, and to tell you about Christ. They are beloved children of God because they are made in the image and likeness of God. I can actually agree with that sentence because in, in an effect, all of humanity are children of God, because they are made in the image and likeness of God. They are the Imago Dei. Mm-hmm. I have no issues with that. Right. But he's confusing something. There's a reason why I don't speak of people who are made Imago Dei as children of God, because Scripture divides that category. You're a child of the king when you repent, and he has paid the penalty for your sin. Over centuries, the church has harmed LGBTQ people and their families, just as the church has harmed people on issues of race, gender, divorce, addiction, and so many other things. We must do better to serve and love one another. Wow, I'm flabbergasted. I share the cathedral's commitment to building bridges, learning how to listen, to really listen, to those with whom we disagree. That work is difficult. It is hard. It is messy. And it can be uncomfortable. But we need it now more than ever. Respectfully, Max Lucado. <sighs> now, let's, I mean, you can see the problems. Let's say something right off the bat. I am not telling you here and now that Max Lucado is going to hell. I'm not. But I am telling you that Max Lucado is wonky on some things that he shouldn't be wonky on. Mm-hmm. And it's not his understanding of marriage, but it's his understanding of the world. And it's his understanding of his relationship to culture. This is why understanding how perseverance works is so important. Perseverance doesn't work simply because you – oh, what was that cartoon? Oh, you go back and find old episodes of the Animaniacs. (laughs) My favorite. There was a character. um, Was it Mindy or Mandy? And she said, okay, lady. She used to say that to her mother. And the parents would leave this kid alone, and the dog would watch the kid. 
And then the kid would get out of the house and go through all these adventures, and the dog would save the kid every five seconds. Right. It's like the kid's walking on a beam that's being lifted up at a construction site, and the dog, you know, steers the beam, and, and the dog falls off the beam, and fall. everything that's supposed to happen to the kid happens to the dog. And then at the end of the cartoon, the dog gets punished because, like, the paws are muddy or something. Right. It, right. Was, it, was, pit- it was terrible. Yeah. The dog is basically the guardian angel. That is not perseverance. You are not persevering because your guardian angel looks like he just survived two tours of Nam while you just kind of tiptoed through the tulips. You persevered because you got up each day and did the hard work and said, no, I am following Christ now. I am following Christ today. I am following Christ in all that I am doing and all that I am. Right. Which means Max should have looked at these people and said, bite me. Mm-hmm. And I'm serious. Yeah. I, I, and if he had done that, I'd have still read his quote. And it'd been like, go team. That's what you should have said. You should have told these people, no. How dare you say these things? You mean, how dare I say these things? How dare I say these things that are true? How dare I rightly apply Paul's teachings of Romans 1? How dare I rightly apply the the right teachings of Paul in 1 Corinthians 6? How dare I rightly apply the law of God in Leviticus? How dare I rightly apply the definitions of marriage from Genesis 2? What do you mean, how dare I? How dare you? Who do you think you are to stand there before a holy God and go, He loves me just the way I am. No, He doesn't. He loves Christ. And if you are in Christ, He loves you because you are Christ's. Well, there, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are sects of, you know, Christians out there that wield the sword in, in, in a way that yes. it's not meant to be wielded. And I don't think anybody here is advocating for you to go be Westboro. Yeah, Westboro, <laughs> That's Steve Sanders. Hey, I yeah. have been to events where Westboro has protested. Yeah. So I can officially say I have been protested by Westboro. Yeah. So I can, I can claim that. Right. And I have that badge of honor. I'm not saying you have to be a jerk. Again, if I preach the gospel to you in your sin, and I do it politely, yeah. but I do it firmly, and you're offended, I win. I've done my job. I want you to be offended. I want the, I want the sword to cut. I don't want to be a jerk so you're mad at me. I want you to recognize that you're in your sin and that God is mad at you. Right. That's much more important than what you think of me. You've sinned and against that's the, Holy the God. difference. Yeah. yeah, I don't have to be a jerk about it. Right. I, but I but I should be able to wield the sword rightly. Right. And I should never, 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 never. I'm banging the table. Can you hear this? I'm banging the table. Never apologize for wielding the sword rightly. And that's what Max has done. And yeah. that's what bugs me. Well, the problem with our culture is we got a bunch of revisionism. Yes. And they want to explain away all of the passages that you must. Derrida has won. Yeah. There was a Derrida and Foucault, Foucault, whatever you say, stupid French names. They've won with their revisioning and their the, the movement of epistemology from objectivity to subjectivity to mm-hmm. a standpoint system. I mean, you have redefinitions of simple things, and, 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 and it's a complete victory. I get that. Which is why persevering Christians must do what? Stand firm. Stand firm. Persevere. As you have received Christ... So walk in him. Right. Walk Beach. in him in the way that you've been taught yes. to walk in him. Not, Again, not listen, according to the world. Firmly rooted. Right. When I'm firmly right. rooted, I don't apologize for doing what I'm supposed to do. A brick has never apologized for sitting on the wall. Not one time. No. Bricks are bricks. They don't apologize for it. Christian, don't apologize for being a brick. Be the best brick that you can be. 
be an encouraging, built up, and strengthened brick. But be the brick, and when the world goes, I can't believe you're being so stubborn. I'm a brick, people! It's what we do! This is how we walk, because this is what Christ has given to me. And this is how I do, because this is what I've been taught, and this is where my peace and my security and my safety come from. If you forsake that, you have nothing. That's right. so why I said, if you do not stand for the truth, you will fall for everything. Because once they get you going down the slope, there's no bottom. There's no bottom. There's never sure. been a bottom to the slippery slope. Ever. I mean... Ever. If you... I mean, we just read a passage from one of Paul's epistles, and we read predominantly from Paul's writings. If you study his life at all, you will know that he did not apologize for the gospel. He no. was stoned and killed. And, I'm not ashamed and, of the and, gospel. And, and he, he was drug out of places, and he was... Yeah. Man, he was... Oh, he was treated really bad he never apologized for the gospel it's one of my favorite bible things with paul is they they, they stone him yeah. think they've stoned him to death and drag his corpse yeah. out of the city and leave him there he recovers gets up and, and goes back up, in he gets up dusts himself off and goes back in and does it again that's right he I'm persevered like, they man. just killed you for this right i mean so there there's some argument on whether or not he actually died and god was like no you don't get to die yet right but i mean they, they literally tried to kill you you're just like huh Tuesday, man, Tuesday. He didn't get up and go in there and say, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. <laughs> Please. No. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh. It's crazy. The world that we live in right now is, is, is a crazy train. Stephen Lawson used to be a pastor in Alabama. Yeah. Uh, works out at Master Seminary now. Yeah. Preached a sermon years ago and mm-hmm. where his call was, give us men who know the truth and who will stand for the truth. I mean, men who will stand in the line of people like Knox and Zwingli and Calvin, and Pharrell, who will stand and go, no, just no. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about, look up some fun, Balthazar Hubmeyer. Nice name. Yes, uh, uh, Anabaptist. He didn't live long. Anabaptist didn't live long. Used to go into the, 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 Catholic, the Roman Catholic priest churches during Mass, mm-hmm. and when the priest would get up to give the homily, he would get up and be like, God has not sent you to preach. He sent me. And would literally just like throw the priest out of the pulpit and preach and proclaim the gospel. There's a great story of William Farrell, open air preaching, and the bishop couldn't stop him. So the bishop sent uh, soldiers, his guards, to arrest Farrell in the town square, mm-hmm. and Farrell started beating him up. He fought back. He fought and like was winning. And so the the bishop pulls out a um, a pistol and shoots at him. Like he's, bishop is packing? Yes, the bishop is packing because he knew Pharrell was coming. <laughs> and Pharrell is over there beating down one of his guards. And he shoots and misses. And Pharrell wheels around to him and goes, I'm not afraid of your shots. And goes back to pounding on the guard. That is <laughs> There's funny. how you stand for him. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. P- bishop, that you're offended. No, I'm coming for you next. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wait we, your turn, buddy. we need some Mr. T theology. I pity the fool that I don't understand the gospel. That's nice. Break out some gold chains, get a mohawk, and let's go. Let's go. I mean, this is where we need to be. All right. We've gone longer than we normally go. So right, we, right. I think we need to, to wrap this up. We actually have a crowd forming for Bible study, which we do right after this. One of these days we should start recording that. Actually, we probably shouldn't start recording that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might end badly. So... This is, this is a warning. Again, Max Lucado's not going to hell yet. You're not going to hell for reading Max Lucado's books. You're not going to hell to listen to his sermons. But I am telling you, though, when you start to surrender on issues, even just a little bit, yeah. it becomes an issue. So be careful. Read, discern, think about it. Know what's going on. And be prepared, Christian, because this is what's going to happen. You will get sideswiped. 
Don't do damage control. Don't appease the culture. Stand firm like the wine brick that you are in the faith that Christ has given. And if you're confused, just remember, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If you need an example of how to, to... never walk back something that's truth. Yeah. So if they pick up the heavy rocks to throw them at you, you're on the right track. Yeah, you know you're doing something right, I think. All right. So what have we learned today, children? God calls us to walk faithfully in an alien land. I think that's obvious. By God's grace, we persevere faithfully. And if we wander away from the biblical truth, we have nothing. Right. We have no wall. We have no wine. We have no perseverance. We have nothing. So guard yourself. Ground yourself. Questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. Stories you think are interesting, send them. We'll look at them, see if we can make something entertaining out of them and something useful. That's kind of the goal of what we do here. Um, There you go. Until the next time, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.